This is Anthony Manfredi. Hi, this is Opal Alipat. And this is the Performance Management TechCast podcast. Welcome to the Performance Management TechCast. We are recording this in June of 2021. We have a big show today as we are joined by Mark Rinaldi from Oracle to get the latest scoop on Planning Cloud. Mark is tirelessly working to support the platform and get your user feedback rolled in. So we are excited that he could spend some time with us. Well, welcome to our podcast, Mark. Please introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm Mark Rinaldi in the EPM product management team. I've been with uh, Oracle, I think I started here in 1998 and took a couple year hiatus, uh, but I've been in my product management role since 2013 is when I came back into that role. So I've been doing this for a fair bit of time and I'm excited to be here on the podcast. And how long have you been working specifically with Oracle Planning Cloud and what areas do you focus on with that team? Sure. So I guess I've been working with Oracle Planning Cloud since the, the beginning when we launched into cloud February 14th, 2014. Specifically, I am the workforce planning product manager, as well as the strategic workforce planning product manager, calc manager, product manager. I also am responsible for the public sector requirements. And I also have other areas of the platform that I have somehow owned just maybe based on my implementation experience in valid intersections and cell level security areas. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very curious about what does a typical workday look like for you? <laughs> so much like most people, I think over the past year, probably you know, lots of Zoom meetings. Uh, we at Oracle Development have been using Zoom for several years now. So, uh, you know, working with worldwide uh, colleagues, customers, they spend a lot of time on Zoom especially this past year, obviously, um, but lots of meetings and then trying to fit quote unquote re uh, real work in uh, around those meetings. Meet with the, my development team that's, that are working on the areas that I own. So trying to make sure we're on the right path with what we're trying to deliver for the enhancements. Also with uh, any escalations, working with support or our quality assurance team as they're testing either the new releases we're trying to come out with, or if they've got, if they've received escalated bugs that we're trying to address as well. So working with the various team members to uh, deliver the roadmap items, enhance the product, but also deal with any product escalations or bugs that we see coming through. And then ultimately there are other areas, and this is the fun part of the job. It's also the challenging part of the job, but you know, product managers really are a common focal point in terms of every video that you see out on our Oracle EPM channel, that script is approved and reviewed by a product manager. The documentation that's out on our help center all goes through us. So we get to touch all the different areas uh, of the product and work with other members of the team to help deliver all the things that we provide for our customers. So it's a lot of different meetings with different groups at different phases of a rollout of a new feature or clarification or a training. So it's a lot of times just trying to, I meet with partners on a fairly regular basis as well, just to keep in touch with what they're seeing out in the field and give them some insight into what we're doing going forward. Wow, that's a lot to do in one day, Mark. That's, that's well, there, are, there are 24 <laughs> hours in a day. <laughs> And, and, you know, that is something that, you know, we do take into account. It isn't a nine to five job, certainly by any imagination, not many are, I guess, these days. but 
you know, a lot of our teams are just spread out all over the world and have responsibility all over the world. We do have some folks regionally that try to follow the sun a bit, but you know, the, I am a night owl. So sometimes I do schedule meetings at you know 1 a.m. Uh, my time to talk to folks in India or Australia or what have you. So uh, it's, you never know when you're, you know, when a meeting pops up on your schedule. Yeah. You have to definitely be flexible. I, I guess it's no secret, but I'm a big fan of the cloud and the solutions that Oracle has brought with the cloud but with your experience in both on-prem and, and now with the cloud, what do you feel is, you know, working better and why? And is there anything that you think that might be able to work better? Yeah. So without sounding like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here, I mean, as you know, Anthony, you know, I started with the, the genesis of Planning 1.0 on-premises when it first launched in, in 2000. So I've, and I was an implementation consultant. So I've lived the life uh, and I've also been a customer as well when I took that brief hiatus. So without sounding like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, the cloud is much better than on-premises. And the main reason for that is, I don't know about you, but historically, when I would have on-premises customers, they would only upgrade every three to five years because basically they'd time it when their hardware or third-party licensing was you know, obsolete. And so they needed to get onto a, a new set of new fresh set of hardware and, and update the third-party licenses and things of that sort. And that's when they would take the new version. And that's a long time to go to not get enhancements or feature functionality. And with the cloud, clearly we're putting out a new release every single month. And so do we give a new feature every single month? Not always, but you know, there are waves of it, but we have the opportunity to do so. And and given the modules and and the platform areas, there's always something happening every single month. There's always something new that's that's coming along. And so I really think that that's a much better way to just keep fresh. It's just waiting three to five years just seems like an eternity when we've been in the cloud now and it's a monthly basis. So, and some of the on-premises customers that converted to the cloud originally had the concern that, uh, you know, monthly releases might not work so well. And they were a little afraid of that. I think we've gotten over that hurdle over the last several years. You know, know, uh, the overwhelming majority of our, of our entire fleet of customers are on the current release. I mean, and, and the ones that aren't are a lot of internal environments that we are, or partners that are playing with, with us on future roadmaps. So I think we've gotten over that hurdle. And I think that's one of the things that really makes the cloud stand out to me. You know, let us worry about the infrastructure stuff um, and let us give you features functionality on a more regular basis than waiting three to five years on average. You mentioned, you know, what isn't working about it. Look, I'll be the first to admit there's no such thing as perfect software. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I think you folks know me well enough that I don't hold back when, where there are areas of deficiency that I see in the product. And if any vendor tells you that their software is perfect, I might question that. But you know, what isn't working about it, a lot of it is getting the community trained on what we're delivering and the new ways we've done things and trying to leverage best practices So I think uh, there are some learning areas there that we're still challenged with at times. And there are some folks like me who have been old dogs and sometimes trying to learn new tricks can be challenging. There are some things with the cloud that you just don't need to worry about anymore, but some old S-based folks that really love to configure that S-based config file and and set cache settings and things like that really aren't 
as important in the cloud you know, with how we're handling it on the, you know, as we look at the algorithms that run on the daily maintenance window that we do every single night and looking at tuning those through artificial intelligence, machine learning algorithms that are all have been enhanced over the years. And it's not, you know, this isn't 1998 anymore with underlying S-base needing to be tuned. All, you know, it does a lot of that on its own. So I think those are areas where we're trying to improve upon it to just make sure that the, the implementations get done as successfully as possible the first time around. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned best practices, and I think that's going to lead into our, my next question, though. The modules. How do you feel the modules are working out for customers and for partners? So I think we've, we've had a lot of great momentum recently. I think there was initial pushback to start with, uh, and a little bit of that was based on the, you know, this is not your, your mother or father's uh, module anymore from the on-premises days. You know, with on-premises, as you well know, some of those modules, especially the one that I own, work for us. That was a purpose-built module that really satisfied the United States. Uh, um, you know, you, when you initialized that, you got FICA FUDA SUDA calculations that came out the door, which are, for those international listeners of yours, are clearly just uh, payroll taxes that are unique to the United States. But that doesn't really you know, translate well uh, globally. So I think there was some initial hesitation to that. And you know, being honest and frank, we all know that what most people did back in the on-premises days is they would initialize the module to get the extra cube in their application. And then they would basically build a custom solution within that. So what we wanted to do when we got to cloud was to re-engineer these so that they, that wasn't the case. And I think we've done a lot of good work to get over that hurdle, to get the adoption rate of modules significantly better. It's got a lot of momentum that we're riding, but there are still pockets of folks out there that have that memory of what those were like in the on-premises days that really isn't holding true anymore. I mean, I can tell you from a workforce perspective, it was completely re-engineered for the cloud. And yes, there are only so many ways you can do add a new hire and do a transfer. So some of those things might look similar to what the on-premises were, but the, the whole benefits and taxes wizard where you know you define what those additional earnings benefits and taxes are and nice wizard-based approach to get the logic built in um, out of the box. Those are a lot of big changes that we've done that uh, we've seen a lot more of the partners adopting it. And that's because the customers are looking for it. What the customers are looking for is much more SaaS, right? Software as a service and uh, trying to leverage that. So we're, we've seen some nice momentum with the, with the modules on that. We're really happy with. But what do you think their future looks like? So we continue to enhance them. You know, we only see the, the future growing. So it's again, trying to get to the point where as a basis of EPM, we've always been about flexibility and sometimes to a fault, having too many options can be confusing. But you know, when I do a lot of work, and I have with my work with strategic workforce planning, I've worked with the um, Oracle HCM team, with my work on the public sector and the budget revisions feature that we just released earlier this year, I work with the, our ERP folks. They're a bit more rigid when it comes to you know, modifying what gets delivered with their solutions on the cloud. And, and we'll never get away from that, but trying to help gear folks to leverage best practices more. You know, we're looking to, to try to see what we can do to help eliminate those customers that end up in trouble with a bad implementation. You know, what we can do to help with that is something that's obviously top of mind. Also, 
where we're looking to leverage economies of scale of Oracle in and of itself, a lot of stuff is uh, you know, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Those are sort of buzzwords of the day, I guess, the last year or so. But we really are doing a lot of work there. And this is where we can leverage the power of Oracle to help us with that. So we see continued improvement. They have healthy roadmaps that are ever evolving. And really with the Customer Connect Idea Labs, that's where the transparency is for our roadmap. We're looking for all the customers to use that to upvote you know, what we're working on and help drive what the roadmap looks like. Yeah, that, that is extremely helpful, the Oracle Customer Connect. And I would just urge any consultants or anybody listening to this, if, if you haven't given the modules a look, just come at it with a fresh perspective. And, and I would really try to take a look at it and see how it can fit into your implementation because they can be extremely helpful and definitely speed up your implementation time and make it simpler for the clients overall to maintain. I think the biggest struggle, Mark, like you said, is they may have a bad taste in their mouth and they like to do things their own way. And I think that's a big change uh, they have to get used to. I'm curious, Mark, from a trivia perspective, what do you feel or what is the most used module or feature in planning cloud? Why do you think that would be? One of the other beauties of the cloud is I know the exact answer to that down to the exact <laughs> number of environments. <laughs> so, uh, um, I don't know if everybody wants to know that you're watching, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's helpful. Um, it's all for the good. So uh, <laughs> financials is the number one module that's used out there. And even though I'm the workforce uh, guy, workforce is number two, um, ah. not, not too far off. We're gaining. But I think financials makes the most sense to be, that is the one that we would expect to be the most used because if you're buying our product, you're doing a budget or a forecast of some sort and you have either expenses or revenues or both, or you're also doing balance sheet cash flow. So financials is the one that we think every customer should use and every partner should implement. You know, I think there's some pushback and we've had some one-on-ones with partners and, and just trying to explain, you know, tell us why financials doesn't work for you. And it really, as you look into it and, and some of the changes that we've made over time, um, I think it gets harder and harder to say why you're not using financials. Because again, everyone is doing some level of, of P&L planning. Right. So, you know, some of the initial things, if you may remember, is like, well, I don't have enough custom dimensions. Well, there were always five custom dimensions available in financials, but many people thought it was just three because they assumed that products and services, which were sort of default names that were available, originally they were tied to the revenue aspect of it, but that was changed, you know, a long time ago. So there were lots of the flexibility. The out-of-box stuff is around the trend-based or driver-based, and you get to choose whether you want that. So we think every customer can start with that module. And then therefore it leaves the other free open cubes available to do some custom work that you truly have. So financials definitely makes the most sense because I think everybody is doing some level of expense or revenue planning. It's a highly configurable module. So that should work. Workforce is number two, probably because I would hazard a guess that, you know, the workforce labor cost expense is probably about 80% of most people's budget. Yeah. They're most comfortable trying to look at that big amount in a little bit more detail to get at it. So. Plus, it's hard to build those calculations from scratch all the time if you if you don't have a template for uh, yes. workforce. Just it's a, yep. it can be troubling. Now that uh, cell level security has been solved, congrats! Thank you very much. What are the three features on your personal list that you are you know must have for the future of Planet Cloud? Okay, great question. So, well, first side note: cell level security. Yes, thank you. That's been a <laughs> a pet project of mine uh, and actually one of our longest tenured developers, uh, we kept getting told, no, we don't have time to do that. It's too, too hard. And 
this other developer and I, Sean, we worked on another project a few years back and we did something similar and they said, you know, if this was planning, we could have done this a little bit more easily. So we both got back onto the planning project several years back. And I said, Hey, you, you said this would have been easier with us. So, you know, let's deliver it. He and I just kind of did this on our own. And uh, what I found, he's based on the West coast. I'm on the East coast of the U S for people that don't know, but we're both night owls. So what <laughs> I found the sweet spot for this, the facility of security was 11 PM to 3 AM my time was a sweet spot for me to work on it. And I could reach out to, to him on the West coast. And he was a night owl too. It was a little bit earlier for him, but yeah, we kind of cranked through this in about three weeks to sort of get the alpha code set up and tested. And the basis of that, that would have been my number one, certainly. So I am happy and proud about that one being out there, but in terms of what are my personal must haves, a couple, I can't share with you. Oh, come on. <laughs> things that we're working on that I'm really excited about, but they're you know, a little bit long. They're probably 12 months plus, and I don't want to give away uh, any any corporate secrets there. You, so it's the basically you just push a button and your whole plan is done. Is that is that the exactly. one? Oh, cool. <laughs> I want that one. Exactly. So if I really had to boil it down, uh, there's one that I, I hear a lot of, and I keep seeing it currently coming up, and it's not something that's in my direct area of control. It's on the platform side, but better uh, role-based security. This one's been out for a while there. Really, we've, we've had that request where I want to have someone that's an IT administrator, right? They can't see any of the data, but they can deal with the metadata. So we're really looking into breaking down those roles where you can provision users to manage dimensions, manage forms, uh, rules, do copy version. Really looking at all the individual tasks that are out there that only an administrator can do or a power user can do and see if we can break those down. And I think that's something that I'll be happy when that comes out. That, that's something that gets kicked around a lot. That sounds yeah. like a really good feature. Yeah, so that that's one. One that's uh, coming up a little bit closer, a little safe harbor here, but you know, let's, uh, let's say in the summer-ish timeframe, since I own valid intersections, a request has been made to allow you to do invalid valid intersections. So that's another one that I think will make, just give you another option for how to best define those valid intersections. You do it as the positive or the negative. Okay. So that's one I like. And you said three, huh? Hmm. All right. I'm trying not to just focus on my workforce ones because I've got a few there that are really popular ones that I want to get done. Hmm. If I come up with a third one, I also want to see improvements in the workflow process management area. <laughs> that would be good. Yep. That would right. be really good. That, that one, there are some things that we're working on. Again, my work with public sector, I see a lot of requests around enhancements to the workflow approval process, you know, higher education, healthcare. Uh, we've seen a lot with that. So uh, that's, that would be my third. What do you think is the most underutilized feature? Well, a good friend of mine who may or may not be on this call had reminded me, well, it's probably our product documentation. Um, <laughs> I don't call that a feature, but uh, no, if I, if I were to get paid by the number of hyperlinks that I send out to our own publicly available documentation, both internally and externally, that might be a better pay scale for me, I think. Uh, <laughs> so there's that website. Let me Google that for you, right? I mean, yep. <laughs> the, the number of times where I want to reply that way is pretty high. So yeah, so documentation certainly, but if I look at the features and maybe this is a little bit of the Kool-Aid from my calc manager hat. Mm -hmm. Templates. Calc manager templates are a woefully underutilized yeah. feature. 
there is so much power there that people don't recognize and don't leverage with design time prompts. Everyone's familiar with runtime prompts, yeah. right? Hey, what member, which, which entity am I running this against? Which scenario, which year, which version, what have you. But design time prompts give you, especially the partner community, so much more flexibility to have decision trees built into a rule that lets them determine which way you want to go with the rule. So this is where I think that if partners looked into and customers learned more about templates, there is a lot of power there that's just totally being missed in the in the community. I would agree with you. I know I, know I, I reached out to you a couple of months ago and I, I discovered something in templates I didn't even know it could do. I wanted to do a dense, like a, a loop on dense members and just use the design time prompt to send that information. In. And it worked fantastic. Instead of having to actually put all of the members in my statements, it was great. And then I was like, this I just really made me think about how I could use that feature in other ways. I would agree. It is a, a very underutilized feature. Yeah. And you guys took advantage of it a lot with uh, the modules, right? You, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That And that's another one of those ones that you know gets a little bit confusing for folks. And, and I have done for the partners, of, and I'm probably going to have to do this for customer connections so everyone has access to it. I did a session called Demystifying Calc Manager Templates, right? Because they can look overwhelming the first time you look at them with all the graphical boxes and what's going on. But if you really boil it, what I've done, and I think that was session was only like a 15 or 30 minute session that I delivered. So I can certainly fit it into an hour long customer connect session to deliver for customers to see. But it, you, know, you can break it down pretty quickly. And there really aren't that many things you have to worry about modifying in those. But the power is there. And that's why we're leveraging with the modules. You know, this is a difference uh, you know, with the custom solution versus a SaaS product that we're offering. We have to account for every potential customer in the world using it, right? So the design time prompts and that flexibility in Calc Manager templates lets us deal with any type of configuration. We have to determine is multi-currency turned on in this application or not? Mm-hmm. You know, how many of the custom dimensions have you enabled? Right. Because it can be. So we have to account for any possible configuration, you know, and think about workforce. There are three levels of granularity you can choose from employee only, job only or employee and job. So our templates have to account for, well, is this which one of those is this? Because that's going to drive ultimately what the script is and the logic is. So, yeah, we do leverage those quite extensively. And and certainly we've been leveraging the groovy aspects of those as well a lot recently. What's your inspiration for your entertaining monthly What's New updates, which you know I'm a big fan of, on Oracle Cloud Customer Connect? Well, thank you for calling them entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) You know, humor is in the eye of the beholder, I guess. So yeah, so I guess my inspiration is to not be so stuffy. We're not in a business where if we leave at the end of the day, someone's lying on the operating room table and is going to die. You know, this is budgeting and forecasting, which can be kind of bland content. Yep. <laughs> so I think the our documentation team uh, are jealous of me because they have to be very formal with the documentation and, you know, just stating the facts, right? And, and I get to play around a little bit. So that just, it, it's a little bit of fun. I try to poke fun a little bit myself or, or just the, the nature of it, you know, little snide comments. If you, if you read through it all, I tried to throw some Easter eggs in there yep. uh, just to um, liven it up a little bit and just try to make someone laugh once or twice during the day uh, over some content that, like I say, is kind of bland. It is meant to be entertaining, but I'm trying to be informative as well. I want to make sure that, you know, okay, this is exactly what it is, but what does it mean? Right? Because the official documentation might be just fact A, B, C, 
And I'm just trying to highlight, you know, hey, this is a good thing or, hey, watch out for that and mm-hmm. try to just inject a, a, you know, a bit of humor in there uh, and some Easter eggs to keep people interested in coming back to read it month after month. And I think the watch out for that, especially since it's, it is monthly, is extremely important because, you know, people a lot of times gloss over this, right, mm-hmm. um, on the readme notes. So it's great that you can point other things out. Yeah, I've always said, you know, we used to call it the README, as you as you pointed out there, right? It's called What's New Now or what have you, but we used to call it README. The, the internal joke at Hyperion and Oracle over the years was always, we should call this internal top secret memorandum, right? And, and then that would get people to read it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, what's new, you absolutely should be reading those and just staying up on it. And that's something that I get sometimes too with Escalation is that, hey, we need to be able to do this. And it's like, well, it's been available for three months, you know, or, or that changed eight months ago. Why are you still doing it that way? So, yeah, so I appreciate the audience. I do seem to have a little bit of a cult following with that. So that makes it worth the, uh, the time and effort. And just out of curiosity, because obviously there's a couple of times a year when there are just so many updates, how much time do you spend on that? You know, you'd think plagiarizing and copy paste <laughs> would be a lot easier and quicker. And, and this is where just being brutally honest, customer connect, the formatting uh, of that isn't that easy. I've tried doing it in you know, external like Word or something like that and pasting in it. Just the, the formatting is a little bit of a challenge. So Believe it or not, that can take me up to three to four hours to do. And maybe it's wow. not completely dedicated, but, you know, just trying to get all the format in. And then, look, there are some areas that I'm not an expert in. So I'll read something and it'll be a head scratcher to me. So I'll research a little bit and make sure I understand what is the value of this. And I always like to throw a little bit of shade at Mac users out there, right? As a, <laughs> they have so many new, I mean, yeah, the smart view new features every. All the smart view for, for Mac. It's like, yeah. you guys happy yet or what? <laughs> so, that. It can take a few hours. So, and I try to do it, you know, it's due again, what uh, tomorrow was the one we released to test pod. So I try to get it out beforehand. Sometimes during my busier days, I, I miss that. So that's something I might try to work on starting this afternoon. Normally it's the Friday morning that I'm trying to crank that out. Yeah, no, it's much appreciated. And I'm not surprised at all that it takes you, you know, three or four hours. I'm actually surprised it doesn't take you longer. Thanks for the idea. I really am doing a lot of copy paste, but then I get into some of my, uh, my grammar police there too. I like to clean up some of the stuff too. So the next trivia question, what's your current favorite planning cloud feature and why? Oh, is this like asking what's your favorite child? I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, hmm, well, if I really were forced to, maybe because it was such a personal pet project and we were alluded to it earlier, it's probably sellable security. That that had been the number one enhancement request since the dawn of Hyperion planning on-prem, right? Once we started using S-Base under the covers, and folks that came in with S-based knowledge, knowing that you could do or level security out there. Maybe that's a little recency bias, but no, I think that's a, that's a big one. That, and that, but that does help me on the workforce side because that was one mm-hmm. of the other issues that we got a lot were use cases where user A needs access to their department, their entity for all the accounts, but they're, they're the IT person. So they're responsible for the IT allocation account in every other department. Well, on classic metadata security, obviously they got access to everything and they didn't need it. So cell-level security helped solve one of the major workforce use cases we had out there or reasons. We had the two stock answers for dealing with that in the past, create a separate application, which was a lot easier to do in the on-premises world, or create a second user ID, 
those were things that were solved with cell level security. So I'd say that one at this point in time. Okay. Now let's switch gears a little bit. You're often involved in implementation escalations. And I know because I've been on some of those calls with you and you've really gone to bat. So it's much appreciated. We're kind of curious about for these implementations that go wrong, what are the repeated behaviors that you're seeing that you would warn customers and partners of? Oh, it's a good thing we're not recording this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No Uh, names, no names, man. (laughs) (laughs) Look, again, people, I don't know if I'm going to ruffle feathers with this one, but this is where you you want brutal honesty. I'm giving you brutal honesty. Horribly written calc scripts. That is the overall, the overarching theme of, I would say, 95% plus of the escalations that we see. And for folks that don't know, you log in a support request or an SR, as we call it, the Oracle support that goes through. Hopefully they can solve your issue, point you to a documentation or a best practices doc, something like that. But if, uh, if they can't solve it, they can recreate it. They can pass it over to our quality assurance group, which is in the dev organization. And they'll try to recreate it, see if they can solve it. And then ultimately these things can get escalated to our developers themselves or product managers like myself. And I get pulled into these a, a fair bit just because of my implementation background. There are a couple of us on the dev team that really were longtime implementation consultants that I peer in. So we get pulled into a lot of these. But most of them are performance related and I just had one of my colleagues, Liz, share some, some results of tuning efforts that she had done. So she got a calc strip. Again, no, no names out there, but this is a real use case example out there where a calc strip got to, got to her attention. And it was running in the, like 2,700 seconds or thereabouts. And after some simple what we would refer to as S-Base 101 type of skill set, it got down to sub 20 seconds. Oh, wow. So that's a real, I'm not making that up. That's not hyperbole. That's, that's a real use case. And, you know, there were things that some common errors that we see, they, not every sparse dimension was represented in a fixed statement. As we all know, if you don't represent it, S-Base does it for every single member. And when you're in a, a bottoms up type of version situation, you really only need to calculate at the level zero and then just ag up. And they also had a great uh, blocks on equation outside of a fixed statement. <laughs> left it on. So, I mean, and, and these are things that, you know, it's hard uh, sometimes where, you know, we're seeing a, a turnover in the implementation community. Uh, I know you folks are part of that. And some of these folks maybe aren't getting the training or the exposure to the fundamentals of, of S-based calcstrip writing. And, and we look at that internally. So there's a lot of dev effort uh, spent on what we consider just bad calcstrips uh, that, you know, or custom calcstrips is nothing that we delivered out of the box. So we spent a lot of time on that. So we're trying to figure out, and this is something where, again, me in my calculation manager product PM role is trying to figure out how do we help with that? And you, know, you talk about, you know, we want to talk about another underutilized feature, the errors and warnings analysis mm-hmm. and the, the debugging in Calc Manager is something that is vastly underutilized because that's something that we'll look at right away and looking at rules that, you know, how many passes to the database yeah. and you know, are you missing dimensions? And so we're looking into ways of trying to, as we say internally here, shift left, the further mm-hmm. we can shift left to help solve the problem before it gets down, it saves us, you know, our resources working on these things. It can work on product functionality enhancements, new, new bells and whistles, things of that sort. So we're trying to look into ways that Calc Manager maybe enforces running that analysis mm-hmm. to, to identify 
problems ahead of time. But again, that's another underutilized feature that, gee, if this performance is really bad, have you run the errors and warnings? Have you run the analysis on this to see what's going on? Uh, and there's some helpful information there that I think most people are missing. What's your philosophy for working with Oracle EPM partners? Well, you, you folks know this, you've worked with me a fair bit. I try to be brutally honest. Like I mentioned earlier, our products uh, are not perfect, right? Where they're built by humans, there will be bugs, you know, it's not bug free. And there are gaps in products that we're always looking to close. And, you know, we like to think we have the, the best product on the market, but it's not perfect by any means. And when I'm talking with partners, and especially when I'm doing the training, I, I sort of am the de facto uh, EPM planning liaison with the partners from a training perspective, just again, because of my background implementing. So I try to be brutally honest and just say, look, I'm going to tell you where I think there are shortcomings in the product and how to navigate around those and what our plan is to address that. Right. And uh, so I think honesty is better. I'm not trying to hide things. I'm trying to just make sure that you're aware of, of what the uh, limitations there may be or any kind of areas to just, Hey, if you just design it this way, this will work a whole lot better. So that's my approach. Just do open communication. It's a partnership. So we want to make sure we are working together. We're a team and I try to treat it that way. So that way we're just, you don't think I'm always spewing out the company marketing campaigns or spinning things. I want to make sure you as partners have the information you need to implement successfully at customers, make your customer, at the end of the day, we're trying to make customers happy, happy and referenceable. So I want to make sure that the implementations are done in the best possible manner. And the only way I think you can do that is if you have all the information I have available to give to you, which I don't know how much information I have or not, but I try to share that uh, honestly with partners. So Mark, with Kscope coming up, we probably put a lot of work into it. Is there anything that new and exciting that people should be looking forward to from Planning Cloud? Yeah, so I have a session. Uh, do I do a shameless plug? June twenty second, eleven a.m. Eastern. <laughs> What's new and coming in the planning cloud? You get all that information there. But the teaser, I guess, of this is we'll, we'll go through a lot of our recent enhancements that have been out there. Because again, sometimes people aren't reading that. What's new? So sometimes these are a shock to some people. And then we'll talk about some near-term roadmap items. There are some longer-term ones we talk about more and what we normally have is the Sunday symposiums, which are actually on Monday this year with the virtual nature of K-Scope. So that's where our lead man- management team will, will talk about some of those, but we'll talk about some more than near-term ones. But the big thing is we announced a few years back as part of this artificial intelligence machine learning, we encapsulated an acronym IPM, right? Intelligent Performance Management. We've had that for a long time in terms of predictive planning, and you know that we released not uh, not too long ago the auto predict functionality to, to go as part of that, and that's sort of a next wave of IPM. So I think there are going to be lots more things around IPM that we're going to be announcing and perhaps even demoing as we get into K-Scope that are going to be a lot around machine learning and using outside models of data um, to help drive your correlations to your forecast, so weather patterns, things of that sort. So I think you'll see a lot of exciting things. I mentioned earlier on the podcast that those are buzzwords, but we are acting on those. They're real. There's excitement out there. There's a lot of power that can be leveraged by trying to find the correlations in your data to external factors. And I mentioned weather. Clearly, you've got yeah. uh, people in construction industry or those types of industry that where that's important. But even on the workforce side, looking into databases that have salary information, you know, is my company paying people in the right range? Um, so there are lots of things you can do with that data. So I think uh, that's sort of the big tease, I guess, for now for the case scope. 
which everyone should attend, by the way. And I don't get paid for that. I like to promote it. I think it's one of the best EPM user conferences out there. Is there anything else you guys you would like to plug that you don't get paid for, or maybe you get paid for? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to just stay in touch. There, there's a lot of information that's out there. And I have joked about the, let me Google that for you. In my role, when I was implementation consultant, when I became sort of a, a lead and we mentored the new folks coming in, I used to always tell people, look, I'm happy to answer any question you have, but it's much better for me to answer a question when you've said, look, I'm having this problem. I tried reading the documentation. I Googled it. I looked at blogs, whatever. I even created a sample app and tried to play around with it on my own. And I can't figure it out still. This is where I'm stuck. Can you help me? That's much better than just, hey, how do you do X? Well, in our help center, the, the documentation has gotten a lot better. Again, there's always room for improvement. Again, I've said it many times, nothing's ever perfect, but there are lots of things that just people aren't even looking at our documentation. They're not looking at the videos uh, that we have out there. They're not Googling anything. And so uh, that'd be nice if people cut down on my hyperlink uh, copy paste yeah. uh, <laughs> requirements. I, I think the videos are helpful just because they're short and they get right to the point, right? So they're not a long thing. I think it's great. We have a mandate to keep them under six minutes or four to six minutes because again, the, you know, the attention span can be a little bit challenging to try to go through something. So sometimes you're like, oh, you know, we might notice we speed things up a little bit. We're just trying to get through some things. But we, you know, we have different classifications of videos. We have the overall videos, just trying to, to overview, just trying to tell you what the basic nature of the feature functionality is. And we actually do have some how-to, right? There are a lot of things mm -hmm. that people struggle a little bit with data management sometimes or data integration in the new UI. And there are some very good videos out there showing the step-by-step -step process on how to configure that. So there's a lot of information that's out there that I think would be nice if people had you know dedicated some time just looking at. The other thing I'd love to plug is Customer Connect. If you're not on Oracle Cloud Customer Connect and you have any relationship with an Oracle Cloud product, and it doesn't even have to be EPM. I assume though most of your listeners are probably EPM, but you know, as long as there's some relationship with an Oracle Cloud product, you can get on there. And that community is meant to be for everybody. I try not to answer every question uh, right away. I love, you know, it's always best for me when I come back to check on Customer Connect and I see others in the community have already answered it. I think that's wonderful. I probably still am one of the, you know, as you folks know, I'm out there quite a bit. I answer quite a bit as much as I can. Everybody should get onto Oracle Customer Connect and check it every single day and be a part of the community. And then it just builds it all for, for everybody's benefit. Yeah, that's a great point. Mark, I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate you taking time out of your 24 hour a day, seven day a week job to uh, speak to us. And everybody join Customer Connect and take a look from Mark at K-Scope, attend K-Scope. He's got some big things to present. All right. So thank you, Mark. And uh, thank you, Opal. Thanks, Mark. My pleasure. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening. The statements in this show represent the views of the participants and the hosts, and not necessarily the views of any organizations they may be affiliated with. You can reach us on Twitter, Anthony at The Man Freddy and Opal at Woman in EPM with the hashtag PMTechCast. Please remember to subscribe to get the latest from the Performance Management TechCast.